Listen up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Listen Up, the Louisville Urban League's radio show and podcast. I am Lyndon Pryor, your host and president and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. Um, It has been a minute since we have been together live, but I hope um, that the new year is off to a good and healthy start for each one of you. Um, Remember, you can find us every week uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We usually drop episodes on Thursdays. Um, Find us, subscribe, like, rate us, review us, let us know what you think of the show. Um, I am really happy to be back with you. Um, Like I said, it has felt like it has been a long break. I know we dropped um, a few episodes, some conversations that I got to have with uh, other people. Shout out to Dr. Shwani Jett and Park Tavall um, Community Health Center uh, for having me on his show. So we dropped part of that interview, but go check it out. Um, And just some of the other things that we've done over the past couple of weeks. But I am glad to be back live. As I've said many times, this is therapeutic um, for me. And so it is good to be back with you. Um, This is going to be a little bit of a different episode. We're doing this solo. And so you're going to get to hear me ramble and talk to you for a little while. But uh, before... I do that. Um, One thing I want to note, you all are hearing this on um, Thursday, the 18th. Um, We're recording it on the 17th, but on uh, Saturday, we will have our third annual HBCU meet a partnership that we have with Kentucky State University, as well as uh, sponsored by Humana Inc. Y'all come on out to the Sports and Learning Center. Um, and watch we've got to at this present time I think we've got 15 teams uh, 15 HBCUs from around the country participating Um, so it's going to be a really really great time we also have a special um, VIP kickback Um, if you you're you're inclined to come up there and network and hang out um, we're going to have DJ John Q um, spinning throughout the entire meeting so it's going to be a really really good day and so I do hope that you will come out and support and join us uh, for a really, really good time. Um, There's a lot. There are a few other uh, announcements that I'll get to a little bit later in the show. But um, I just want to I wanted to do a solo pod because I had not had the opportunity really to come before you all as an audience um, and just share thoughts Uh, Since the announcement was made on December 20th that the board of directors has selected me to assume the role of permanent president and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. And so um, I am incredibly uh, grateful for um, this opportunity to be able to continue in this role and do so on a permanent basis. Um, And I just appreciate the board of directors um, for the trust and the confidence that they have shown in me um, first in selecting me to step in as interim, um, but then to be able to continue in the permanent capacity. I just truly, truly appreciate the the faith and support that they have shown in me. Um, it, it really does mean a lot and does not go without notice. Um, And so shout out to my board 
um, of directors for the Louisville Urban League. I, I just can't thank you all enough for what you've done, not just in terms of um, my role in transition, um, but just in general. Through it all, um, you have shown yourselves to be committed to the work of the league um, and committed to ensuring that this organization is in the best position possible to thrive and grow um, intentionally grow and serve this community to the best uh, extent possible. And so thank you all. Um, I won't try to name all of my board members, but but thank you all for what you have done and what you continue to do in service to the movement. And so thank you for that. I also want to thank um, members of the National Urban League um, who have been so supportive and helpful. Um, my colleagues, fellow, fellow CEOs from around the country, but also um, Mark Morial and, and others there at the national office um, who have been incredibly helpful during this interim phase. And even since I've assumed the role have been incredibly supportive. And so I truly appreciate um, all of that. And to everyone who has reached out, you know, with well wishes and, and messages of support um, and congratulations, I just want to say thank you all. Um, and, you know, truly from the bottom of my heart, I just appreciate how supportive uh, Louisville has been of me um, in this role and of my leadership and just uh, of the organization in general. Um, you all have truly wrapped your arms around us and continue to support and invest um, and commit yourselves to um, this work as well. And, and we just could not do it without you. And so um, I, I truly, truly, truly um, appreciate that. And then finally to to the staff at the league. Um, you all have been awesome in the midst of uh, bumpy road and, and transition and growing pains. Um, even in the interim, I've been throwing new things out there, you know, making changes and switching things up and asking a lot of this staff. And, and you all have continued to show up every day and answer the bell. Um, and I just can't, you know, thank you all enough for um what you've done and and how you have performed um, in the midst of it all over the last nine or ten months. And so just lots of thank yous um, to be able to go around, um, certainly to family and friends um, near and far. Um, love you all. Thank you all. Um, so I certainly wanted to be able to do that, to be able to say thanks and to, you know, and, and let people know, you know, that I appreciate all um, that they have done and all of the support that they've shown. But the other thing, um, and I did this a little bit when I transitioned in this interim, was just to kind of give folks a little bit of peek behind the curtain or, or insight into who I am um, and kind of what makes me tick. And it's um, part of this, this um, bit of rambling is, is connected to some events that have happened here in Louisville, but also, you know, we are in the week that we have celebrated um, Dr. King's holiday um, and his birthday. Um, and so there has been just kind of an interesting connection um, to the way certain things are happening in and around the world, but then also just how I see it. And so I felt compelled 
um, to come and talk a little bit about that and how it all works um, in my mind. And so we'll see. Um, it's, it's just me in the office and Sherilyn sitting here looking at me. Um, and so we'll see how much of this is actually usable by the time we get through it. But uh, just bear with me for for a little bit. And um, I guess the best way to start um, is to really talk about um, I am a a a, a really um, deep lover of history. Um, I really enjoy um, hearing and and watching, you know, historical documentaries and reading about um, historical figures and and all of that sort of stuff. And it's been that way for really as long as I can remember. Um, and I'm not exactly sure where that comes from, but I think some of it has to do with the fact that I am um, the baby of three um, who was born to um, parents who were older um, when they had me. Uh, my mom, who was still with me, is, is would not have me give her age away, and so I won't say, but just know that I have a brother who was 17 years older than me. Um, and so I grew up... Um, while I am technically uh, a millennial, um, I, I certainly did not grow up <laughs> like uh, your typical millenni millennial uh, does. And I grew up around parents who had seen some things, experienced some things, um, and they and their siblings and friends um, talked about a world that, quite frankly, you know, my friends would have only been introduced to through their grandparents or in some cases, maybe even their great grandparents. Right. But my parents um, and their friends and and siblings um, were able to recount these stories firsthand um, because they lived certain things. I am again from uh, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Both my parents grew up in rural parts of Texas. Um, and so they lived through um, segregation into integration. Um, and watch those things happen in real time um, and had varying experiences with those um, those kind of nationwide events um, and and had real life, you know, experiences with all that comes with that, the good, the bad um, and the ugly. And so I got to hear about these things um firsthand. And so I think that may be where some of my love and appreciation for history starts because I, I grew to really appreciate hearing these stories from folks who had lived it. Um, it was something different than reading about it in a book or even frankly watching it on, on a television screen or in a movie theater. Um, hearing people to talk about these lived experiences firsthand just always resonated with me in a different way. Um, it just hit a little bit different. Turn your dreams of home ownership into reality with the Center for Housing and Financial Empowerment. Our dedicated team will help you prepare your finances, boost your credit, and nurture your financial well-being. We offer informative classes to guide you through the home buying process. 
and provide one-on-one counseling with a trusted HUD-certified housing counselor. For more information, call 502-585-4622 or visit lul.org slash housing. Fast forward a little bit. Um, in high school, I had the opportunity to participate in this thing called the National History Fair. Um, now, I don't know if there are schools here in Louisville that are participating in the National History Fair competition, um, but I hope that there are. Um, it is available for middle school through high school school students to do. Um, and just a quick plug, if there's any school out there that's interested in doing it um, and is trying to get started, or if y'all are actively doing it and y'all need judges, just holler at me because um, that's how much I care about it. Um, it is it is a really big deal in my mind. Um, it has done a lot for me personally, but I just think it's a really important um, competition and is an opportunity for students to explore um, in real terms um, events of of the past and be able to learn about them in new and unique ways and then be able to present on them. It's just, it's a simply a phenomenal um, experience in my in my book. But one of the things that I learned, and I had some really awesome teachers um, who who helped to facilitate history fair for us in high school. And one of the things that they gave me that has never left me um, was a very clear understanding and appreciation for the word context. And that sounds a little strange, but, you know, they love to impress upon us in as we prepared our various history fair um, projects that context is everything because what context is is simply the understanding that nothing happens in a vacuum the events um, the major events of history the things that we look back is like oh that was a turning point or that was really significant or for one reason or another None of those things just happened randomly. All of those things exist um, in a world where there are multiple things going on that led to whatever that event is. Pick your favorite historical event. Um, Lots of different things happened in order to get to that point. Um, And you can't really understand that one event without understanding the context Um, nothing is without its context. And so it is really, really important that you understand everything that that is going on. And for whatever reason, that lesson, that message um, has always stuck with me. And so I have throughout my life always looked at events, both large macro level events, as well as kind of the personal simplistic events that go on in and around me and I'm always asking or searching for the context of those things like what else is happening or has happened in order to get me to or get us to um, whatever this event is Um, because that's important and and I think the reason why I've come to appreciate that and understand that is because obviously throughout history um, there have been some some terrible things that have happened right so whether we talk about 
world wars, um, or we talk about 9-11, or we talk about segregation, the Civil War, um, slavery, um, Jim Crow, um, all sorts of different things, right? Redlining um, that we have right here in Louisville, police brutality, um, the, the the killing of Breonna Taylor, or David McAtee, right? Like all of these different things um, have happened um, and are happening, but none of them are without their context. And if we are able, or if we are ever going to right those wrongs, if we are going to undo those things, or in some cases ensure that those types of things never happen again, we have to understand uh, very clearly that all of the things that went into making that thing possible, everything that led up to it, we have to understand that context um, so that we can address those contextual elements um, in real time. And so with that knowledge, I, I carried that, you know, that understanding and that perspective into, you know, the workplace where, you know, I've talked about before that prior to coming to Louisville, I worked at Texas A&M University and was um, a student development specialist there, which basically just means I worked with kids, um, young, young adults, um, in terms of their organizational development, their identity development. We did campus programs um, and a whole bunch of different things. Um, and part of what I always preach to those students or tried to get them to understand in my one-on-one my -on -one conversations with them was, um, what is the context, right? Like if they showed up in my office with a crisis of some sort or something that they wanted to fix or change, something that was happening, Right. Like we would talk about that thing, but we'd also talk about all of the other things that might have contributed to whatever this experience was that they were they were having right now. And then we were talking about what can we do um, to rectify uh, those elements, undo those things or fix those things so that whatever it is that is prominent in their mind, whatever issue they have right in front of them um, can be resolved. Um, and that led to some more interesting kind of um, just ways of being. Um, I had the good fortune of while at A&M to start um, what is now the MLK breakfast. And so every week or every MLK holiday that week, um, there's a breakfast that an organization, the MSC Woodson Black Awareness, Carter G. Woodson Black Awareness Committee, shout out to y'all, WBAC, um, that they do this event and they've now done it well over 10 years. Well, for the first nine years, um, I was the advisor in charge of that event. And <clears throat> one of the things that I, I, I really um, impressed upon my students was because it's it's a breakfast, but we always have a speaker who comes in um, and kind of does a, a fireside chat um, with uh, with a moderator or an interviewer um, to just talk about their experiences and to talk about Dr. King. And one of the things that I impressed upon my students was that while we had the opportunity, we were going to go out and seek people who had firsthand or near firsthand knowledge um, of the movement of Dr. King and of the civil rights movement um, 
And be real honest with you and telling that to 18, 19, you know, 20 year olds, there was there was pushback. It was like, oh, why do you want to invite these, you know, they would call them old um, people in to come and talk about this stuff. They're not going to be as exciting as, you know, um, whoever is new and, and, and dynamic, you know, whether it be like Mark Lamont Hill and no shade to Mark Lamont Hill is a brilliant brother or whatever. But, um, you know, they wanted those, you know, kind of brand new shiny faces um, to be able to come. And the thing that I told them about and was um, able to convince them about is that you will never get to hear um these stories from these people in this way um really ever again in life we have living breathing oracles um of information walking around among us um and we are not taking advantage of of that resource we are not taking advantage of um you know, that wealth, that well of of informa- information and knowledge and wisdom. Um, and that is a complete waste um, of an opportunity. And so we should do this because you will value this experience more than you realize. Um, and it took some convincing, but... Eventually, I was able to get them to come around to the idea. And after we did it a couple of times, they actually were completely on board with it. And so it allowed us to um, bring in the likes of Dick Gregory or Angela Davis or Diane Nash or Julian Bond or Harry Belafonte. Right. Um, And. They would come and the students would get to spend, you know, some extra time with them and literally get to ask them whatever or talk to them about whatever. And it always was in five minutes, 10 minutes of being able to sit with sit with these giants um, that they were convinced that this was um, absolutely the right thing to do because there is something about hearing from these people, um, their firsthand um, experiences of even some of the the most horrific things, but just historical things that just really resonates and it speaks to your soul in ways that is is just truly different um, and very hard to explain or to describe. And so to hear um, Diane Nash laugh about how she and other members of SNCC used to get on Dr. King's nerves because they were, um, you know, pushing him to be a bit more radical than he was ready to go or willing to go at the time or to hear um Harry Belafonte, you know, talk about how King used to spend um, when he was trying to get away from stuff. He would he would go to New York and literally spend days just sleeping on his couch and they uh, would play card games and and just wrestle and joke and have fun um, and and things like that. Or, you know, 
Dick Gregory would talk about, you know, traveling, um, doing comedy um, at night, but then uh, sitting with protesters and um, and strategizing with other folks all around the nation um, in somewhat of kind of a covert or, or undercover plan to continue to help and further the movement. Right. Like these um, are the types of things that just don't always get written about they don't always get shared they don't always get told but they that they help to bring the movement to life in ways that we um that we really need because sometimes we forget that these people these historical icons were real people they were folks who who had um you know flaws um but who also had fun they had things that they loved um to do ways in which uh they they like to enjoy themselves um you know they cracked jokes uh they got on each other's nerves um they they just they were in this doing um really hard and life-threatening work um but they were still absolutely real live people just like any any of us are. Um, and so it brings the movement to life and it makes um, all of it seem a lot more doable. Um, because I think when we think about what is going on in the world right now, there can be a desire to want to throw your hands up and say, like, how do we change this? How do we move the needle? How do we undo some of these incredibly harmful things that are going on in and around our world. Like how do I have the ability or the capacity or the knowledge or the wherewithal um, to even begin to make a dent in that? And I think part of the reason why we have that sentiment is because we have so um, we have we have placed the the leaders of our past on these pedestals that seem unreachable. We we make them out to be people who um, have unattainable attributes. And the reality is that's not who they were. They were just like us. Um, they were just committed to doing the work and to doing the strategy and living it out in the best ways possible. And they stumbled along the way, but they kept trying and they kept moving forward until there was no more race left in them to run. Um, and so for me, I've always found that to be refreshing. I've always found that to be inspiring um, because it lets me know that we can continue that fight. We can continue to move forward. We can continue to do um, the hard things because they're no more hard today than they were back then. In some ways, in some cases, they're they're less hard um, than they were then. But we are as equipped, if not more equipped than our foremothers and forefathers um, to be able to get the job done. And that is, for me, um, just incredibly encouraging. Right. <laughs> When your child enrolls in Kumon, they can reach math and reading mastery that will allow them to have a lifetime of advantages. Kumon is an academic achievement program, preschool through high school, the world's most successful after-school learning program. To enroll today, contact us directly at 502 552 
3610-0014. Wellington Kumon located at 3610 Mall Road next to Target in the Newburgh area. All of this, I think, is to give folks kind of a just a peek into my mindset and how I think about the work of this the Louisville Urban League and why I approach things the way in which I do. It is why I have been so adamant about honoring the people who work inside this building and who do this work every single day um, because I want them to know that they are special, not because of the experience or the education um, that they have, um, because certainly that does make them special, but there are lots of smart experienced people um, walking around walking around every day, all day, um, all over this city and all over the nation. But what makes the folks here special is that they show up every day committed to the work. Um, they show up every day despite, you know, the, the trauma or the difficulties or the barriers or the obstacles that they are facing and they show up committed to continue to do um, and to grind it out day in and day out. Um, and that's that's special because that is truly the work of the movement. That is um, what uh, King and Nash and Belafonte and Dick Gregory and Angela Davis and all of the others, John Lewis and, and so many more, uh, Bear Rustin, Ella Jo Baker, Mega Evers, whoever, pick pick you one. Um, that is what they did. That was the commitment um, that they made was to show up day in and day out and to do the work um, until the work is done. And that is what we have a building full of. And it is an honor and a privilege to be able to serve alongside these folks um, who share that commitment and who do this work um, every single day. I absolutely love and appreciate each of them um, for for the work that they do. And so that's one thing, right? Like it's just um, why I appreciate the people that in the ways that I do, the folks who do this work. I think the other thing that it gives insight into is um, how it connects to, to my desire to honor um, those 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 ancestors, those elders who have become ancestors, um, and and why that's such a big deal for me, um, because my love of history and appreciation of context, I better understand what folks went through um, to do the things that they do, and even though those things may seem small in comparison to what the next person may have done, um, in context, those things are huge. Um, which leads me to, you know, this conversation around Ben Richmond. And so for those who haven't heard, um, on Tuesday, um, we lost Benjamin K. Richmond, former president and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. Um, ben served the league as president and CEO for, for 29 years. So for almost a third of our existence, um, Ben was at the helm and I'll be honest in saying that I didn't know or understand until I assumed this role um, 
exactly how much Ben had done and had achieved um, and what his leadership meant, not just for the Louisville Urban League, but, you know, for this city. And and I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to learn those things, to be able to spend the last um, 10 months or so um, getting to know him, um, getting to hear from him, getting to, to pick his brain on different things. I'm so incredibly grateful um, that I had that experience because what Ben achieved in the time that he he was at the head of the organization is truly, truly remarkable. And this entire city really owes um, a significant debt of gratitude to him for what he did. Um, ben Richmond built the Urban League headquarters, which is at the corner of 16th and Broadway. When he did so, um, the construction of this building uh, actually constituted the largest um, the largest development project in the West End um, for at least 50 years. Um, nothing in, in that time had been done nearly as big or significant um, as the Urban League headquarters. And so, you know, now people may drive past it and it's a, you know, it's a building that's, that's old and certainly in need of, of some love. Um, and in comparison to, you know, perhaps the YMCA, which is right down the street or even our own sports and learning center, right? Like it, it's, it, it's modest, um, in, in its look and in its feel, but when you understand what it represents in context, when you understand the investment um, and the risk that it took in order to get it done, um, it, it carries a brand new meaning for um, for all of us here. Um, but not only that, you know, Ben was a, a huge proponent of of entrepreneurship and black businesses, um, and he pushed the city and developers. Uh, to ensure that they would spend with black contractors and black subcontractors. In fact, he pushed um, for the Yum Center. He, he really pushed for them to have more minority business owners or more minority business enterprises on that project than had ever been on any other project in the city or any other major project in the city up to that time. And that record, um, I believe, stood up until we built the sports and learning complex where we were able to get 40 percent of of MBE participation on our on our building. And so he was a trendsetter in that way. He was an innovator um, in terms of his creation of Rebound or Rebound Inc., which is an affordable housing development organization. And, you know, in creating Rebound to help to to spur um, not only residential development in the West End, but also to promote um, black home ownership Um he established something that has had a tremendous impact on this city and on this community uh, for a long time. Right now, Rebound has built over 300 units of affordable housing. Um, 
which is significant. I know it doesn't sound like a lot in comparison to the need that we currently have today. But when you think about, again, context and what was started and when it was started um, and why, uh, that is a significant number um, in many, many ways. And so, you know, we just appreciate what Ben meant to the league and to this community and to the city but also you know as the news of his passing has spread you know I've heard from colleagues fellow CEOs or former CEOs from around the nation who talk about the type of mentor that Ben was and the way in which he always was gracious in offering support and help to other affiliates and CEOs uh, throughout the Urban League movement and so we um, are not alone here in Louisville in appreciating, you know, the man he was and what he has done um, for the Urban League movement. There are many around the country who are who are mourning this loss with us because they know firsthand um, just how impactful he was and and continue to be throughout his life. Um, and and I'll say this about Ben. I mean, all the way to the end. You know, one of the last things we were able to do was to get his endowment established with the Louisville Urban League. And the thing that he wanted his endowment to to support was um, grants to be able to infuse capital into black businesses and then also a scholarship for a JCPS student who was going to study business. Um, because those were things that were very, very important to him, black business owners, as well as education. He he loved um, to see those folks grow and thrive. And so he um, wanted to make sure that his legacy or part of his legacy was was ensuring that there was going to be funds um, and investment available um, for those groups. And so we have those opportunities available now um, for you know, folks to contribute to, um, but also for us to support, um, you know, those categories of individuals in our community. And so I am just truly grateful um, for the opportunity to get to know Ben um, and and to be able to help carry on his legacy through this position moving forward. Louisville Urban League's Kentuckiana Bills program is your introduction to the skills trades that lead to careers in construction, plumbing, electrical, carpentry, and HVAC. This six-week hands-on and technical education program provides training for job seekers to earn three national credentials, JCTC credit, all while connecting employers with a qualified, skilled workforce. This innovative partnership is funded by Kentuckiana Works and the Kentucky Education and Workforce Development Cabinet. For more information, visit lul.org backslash jobs. The other thing that I've done in terms of honoring folks is, like I said, we're recording this on the 17th. And today at the league, I've declared as cake day um, for the Louisville Urban League. Um, and it is in honor of a, a, an employee, Ms. Um, Brenda Garnett, who used to work in our housing department, who passed away unexpectedly um, back in 2021. Um, and she was somebody who loved to cook and who loved to bring uh, sweets and cakes um, into the office for folks to share in. And so today, um, 
is her birthday and you know and so in honor and recognition of her and who she was we i declared today cake day and so staff came in and brought um you know the favorite treats and desserts see the store-bought or homemade um but it's just an opportunity to to get fat and fellowship with one another um and have ourselves a good time but while we honor you know somebody who who we truly loved and who meant a lot to our organization and that is um you know again just kind of part of of who I am and and what matters to me I don't like um to to ever move forward um without honoring that which has um come before me um and so I, I always try to do that because again i am a believer um in in the idea that context matters and context is not just what happened but it's also about who happened and so we love to to think about and honor the folks who have come before us and who have made an impact or helped to create the path um, or the foundation on which we now stand. And so, um, you know, that's, that's, that's just a bit about me and thinking about how that translates into what happens moving forward. I mean, I think part of the way in which we honor, um, the past, those people, those, those legends, those giants in our lives is by the work that we do, moving forward i think it is incredibly important um for us to to learn from the wisdom and the the words and the acts of you know the ancestors who've gone before um and to continue to put those things into action um as we move forward and so you know on this the the week of mlk's birthday i think i thought a lot about that right and we we often see a whole bunch of feel-good posts um around dr king and you know people using his 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 words all out of context um and throwing them out there for the world to see expecting people to applaud them um for their their annual um you know act of kindness um but i felt it was important and i put this up on social media you know for us to remember that you know dr king at the time of his death um was a revolutionary um and in many spaces around the country was a pariah um somebody who folks were not a fan of um or had a great deal of good things to say about um, Dr. King was somebody who, uh, you know, during his time on earth spoke out uh, for obviously racial justice um, and racial equity. And so as we look at people who are trying their best to roll back um, all advances around DEI, um, diversity, equity and inclusion efforts um, corporately or in the schoolhouses or what have you, um, Dr. King would have absolutely uh, been appalled um, in, in fighting back uh, against those sorts of things. He would have absolutely not been in favor of any of that type of activity. Dr. King was, in fact, a doctor, a Ph.D. Um, he held uh, degrees from incredibly prestigious op, um, organizations. 
grasp in here in our in our country. He was somebody who believed that education was a foundational building block uh, for um, not just um, opportunity for various communities, but honestly for our democracy. And so for folks who are out there trying to ban books um, or, you know, resegregate schools or erode or destroy public education, he absolutely would have had something for you too, um, because he would not have been in favor of any of those types of actions or activities. None of that is in the vein of what he fought for. Um, Dr. King, before he died, spoke out uh, against the United States government and against the war in Vietnam. Um, and he did so recognizing that it was going to potentially hurt uh, his efforts in the civil rights movement. Yet and still, he did it. Um, and he did it because it was the right thing to do and because he recognized that the oppression of black people in um, in America was synonymous with the oppression of those in countries uh, in countries all over the world. And so he would not sit silently as we look at the uh, apartheid and the human atrocities that are happening um, in, in Gaza to, to Palestinians or to those in um, the atrocities taking place in the Congo or Sudan and a whole host of other places all around the world. He would have absolutely spoken up. He would have absolutely um, called the government to the carpet for their role in this. He would have absolutely called on leaders to um to insist upon a ceasefire. He would have absolutely been on the side of humanity and dignity and life um, in the midst of all of this mess. Um, and so folks cannot get it twisted uh, about who he was or what he is doing. And then lastly, I'll say, you know, Dr. King died in Memphis um, going to assist garbage workers who were fighting for 30 cents um, and, and, and pay increase and better wages. I mean, in better, um, uh, safety and conditions, working conditions. Um, Dr. King had begun to put together, uh, the connection between racism, um, and poverty trying to help people to understand and not just black people, but to help black people and white people understand that there is a linkage that you have uh, a lot in common in the ways in which economics are serving to disenfranchise you. And so to look at a world today where we are seeing a lot of corporate greed and political neglect um, that is hurting and harming and marginalizing um, the working poor to an incredible, um, incredibly harmful, uh, uh, to a credibly harmful extent, he would absolutely be fighting against that. He'd be railing against those types of actions and policies and that type of activity. Um, he would not be in favor. And so I just, you know, use that to say to everybody, you know, who, who sees these messages and uh, we're about to mosey on over into Black History Month. And so we'll see more messages of people trying to tell us how much they are for um, us. And, and all I will say to, to each of you is, you know, don't applaud the pandering. 
Um, don't don't do that. Like it's it is it is not helpful. Um, but instead, hold people accountable. Hold people accountable for their cowardice, um, for the ways in which they refuse to stand up and fight for the things that we absolutely need and deserve. But also um, hold them accountable for their incongruence. And so for all of them who say that they are supporters of King and they are believers in his message or they are um, supporters of Black History Month and believers in equality and freedom and justice for all, um, where they are incongruent, where their policies, where their actions um, are incongruent with those sentiments, we need to hold them accountable. Um, and not just on you know MLK Day or during MLK Week, um, not just during Black History Month, but every single day of the year. 365. That is um, our call. That is our charge. That is the absolute least that we can do. Um, and no, silence is not the least you can do. Silence is complicity. The absolute least you can do is to say something um, in opposition to those types of things. And so we've got to do more. We've got to be better at holding um, our leaders, holding those in power um, accountable for the 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 action or the inaction um, that they take, um, and that is going to be what the league continues to do. I, I have been trying to remind people that the Louisville Urban League and uh, the Urban League movement is first and foremost a civil rights movement, um, which is to say that we are here to fight for justice and equity and equality, and we are to speak out um, when those things are not being held firm to. Um, so that means addressing the things that are uncomfortable, the things that are deemed controversial, um, and speaking up for those who are most impacted and most marginalized. That is what we are here to do. And I hope um, in my time and in my, my tenure in this spot that I will have the courage to do that as often as, as necessary. Um, that is not an easy thing to do. Um, and there are always factors uh, that, that, you know, people would have me to consider. Um, but I hope that I am never one to compromise um, those things, um, the real essence of this movement uh, for comfort. And so we are going to do the difficult things. I believe that we can do hard things. Um, as an organization, I believe we can do hard things as a community. I think we can do hard things as a city. And so I am looking forward to being able to do more of that um, over the coming days, coming months, coming years um, as president and CEO of the Louisville Urban League. So that's about all <laughs> at the moment. I mean, um, I'm sure there's more to be said and more than I can say. Who knows? I probably raised more questions in the minds of some people than I have provided answers. But um, I, I just felt it necessary to give people a bit of a peek into kind of what makes me tick and how I think about um, the problems of the day as well as the work of the day. Um, moving forward. Um, listen, again, I am incredibly grateful Louisville, for the opportunity to lead this organization um, and continue to do this work. Um, and I hope that I don't have to do it alone, not because I'm looking for another job or want to go anywhere else, but I want us to solve the problems that we have. 
Um, I want us to be in a position where we um, are no longer a, an essential or necessary part of, of what has to happen in Louisville because Louisville is doing right by black people and by other marginalized populations. Um, I would love to see it happen. Um, so I look forward to being able to work with you all um, to do that, to be able to make that happen. I look forward to being able to push forward um, positive and innovative um, work opportunities and collaborations um, to be able to move the needle forward and to get us all to a better place. Um, as we get out of here, I want to also honor, you know, and recognize um, I know that we also lost J. Michael Brown um, this week. I did not know uh, Mr. Brown incredibly well, but I um, started to get to know him as we both served on the Western Opportunity Partnership Board um, in the last several months. Um, but I do know by, by virtue of what others have said about him from here at the League and others um, that he was wants to make sure that every student thrives academically and to make that possible the league is offering free intensive tutoring to JCPS students who qualify. Kindergarten through 12th grade students can receive export help in reading, math, and ACT prep. Kids like me deserve every opportunity to succeed and to reach our greatest potential. Sign your student up today. To learn more, visit lul.org or call 502-585-4622.